She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files podcast, season three. Episode 22. Quagmire. This episode is a Monster of the Week episode and originally aired on Friday, May 3rd, 1996. It was filmed in British Columbia, Canada, and it was written by Kim Newton and directed by Kim Manners. In the episode, Mulder is drawn to Hevelman's Lake due to a couple of disappearances that are linked to the legend of Big Blue, the lake monster. He drags Scully along to investigate and see if he can find any proof of a prehistoric creature residing in the lake. But as more people go missing, Mulder and Scully urge the sheriff to close the lake until they can get to the bottom of what's happening. Hopefully they can get to the bottom of the mystery without ending up at the bottom of the lake. I hope so. Yeah. Also, based purely on the summary, this is totally another Scooby-Doo mystery episode. Yeah, it definitely sounds like one. Like Hell Money was kind of a Scooby-Doo episode, and then Taste of Dos Bichos was definitely a Scooby-Doo episode. Mm -hmm. And then this is a Scooby-Doo episode, too, I think. Yeah, this is a lake. Yeah. So then we're in Strikers Cove, Hovelman's Lake, Blue Ridge Mountains, Georgia. And Dr. Faraday picks up a frog from near the lakeshore and says that when he started his field research here, these frogs were thriving. Now the adult population has dropped to fewer than 200. And he tells the man with him, Dr. Bailey, if protective measures aren't taken, the species will become extinct. And Bailey tells him that the frog population is diminishing all over the globe and no one knows why. You can't put them all on the endangered species list. And Faraday argues that they would if these were furry little creatures. And Bailey says that Faraday's study is inconclusive and doesn't prove that depopulation is a result of human activity. Faraday argues, but Bailey simply says, you ever hear of survival of the fittest? And then he walks away. And Faraday calls after him and he's like, that applies to mankind too. You can't turn your back on nature or nature will turn her back on you. Uh, does that thing, there's a name for that where you take the words and then you flip them to say something mm-hmm. like, you know, fear and fear itself and that kind of thing. But I can't remember what it's actually called, but yeah, he does that. Anyway, Bailey reaches his truck up on the road and he's about to get in. And then he notices beeper is missing. He's like, oh, so he's got to go back and look through all the trees, follow his path all the way through the lake, looking for it. And he's near the water, looking through the brush. And I guess Faraday's left. He's gone. And he's looking through all the brush when all the bugs and birds go quiet. And then he kind of looks around and then we see something moving through the water. But he doesn't see it because his back is to the shore. And when he looks around, he doesn't look towards the lake. He just looks towards the trees. And then his beeper starts beeping. So he heads towards it and he finds it. And he like gets the grime off it. And he's looking at it. But then something attacks him from behind. Ah, and he screams and he falls to the ground. And he's struggling, struggling, struggling. But then he's dragged into the water. And his theme song. Mm-hmm. Dead. Yep. Yeah. Which is fine because, honestly, I'm sorry, person who plays Bailey. Like, you are not a good actor. <laughs> It was awful. Also, the character's a jerk. So yeah, way, but his I mean, his interaction with Faraday was not. I mean, Faraday is very speechy, I and mean, he will be later when we see Faraday as well. But Bailey is not. Yeah, that's not good. That does not look yeah. like someone having a conversation. That looks like someone just reading their <laughs> lines. So yeah. Speaking of Doctor Faraday, is played by Timothy Weber. He played Jess Harold in Our Town and a detective in Tombs. So you may have seen him before. This is his last X-Files appearance, but he'll be on two episodes of Millennium and one episode of The Lone Gunman. 
Obviously, that's none of the characters that he played previously. No, they're probably the new (laughs) characters. And he played The Apprentice on Once Upon a Time. And he appeared as a news anchor on Forever Night. He's also been in MacGyver, 21 Jump Street, Riverdale, and a series of unfortunate events. Which has come up again. Yeah, we we just talked about it. We just talked about it, yeah. And I thought I spilled the beans by saying he won't play the same. There's no way he can play the same character. But I'm going to spill a different can of beans by saying, I guess he actually could play one of the characters he plays because he actually could be Dr. Faraday again. I don't think he's going to be. Dr. Faraday doesn't die. So just so you know, sorry, ruined that part too. (laughs) All about it today. So, and then speaking of spilling even more beans, I've just got beans all over the place. (laughs) And um, of the options we get at the end of this episode, the attack on Bailey does not seem consistent with what we have. Our options are like the, how he seems to struggle and is killed does not seem to match either of the options we have. I'm just saying that. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. I don't really know, but so then we're on County road 33 in Rigdon, Georgia. And a car drives past a billboard that shows something in the water. And the billboard says, what's older than the Hills. And we see Mulder and Scully are in the car and Queequeg is in the back seat. Queequeg is Scully's little dog. Mm-hmm. and the dog is whining and Scully tells Mulder they should pull over soon to give Queequeg a bathroom break. And Mulder's like, did you really have to bring that thing? And Scully tells him, you called me on a Saturday morning, told me to be ready in five minutes. My mom is out of town. All the dog sitters are booked and you know how I feel about kennels. So unless he wants to lose his security deposit on the car, she suggests he pulls over. And Mulder's like, I'm lost anyway. I need to pull over and ask for directions. So like, yeah, you tell him, Scully, pets are family. Yeah. And speaking of pets and family, you might hear Billy playing in the background. But that is totally I know. Funny. I'm sorry. He has a, no, a crinkly totally mat that he has suddenly decided he needs to play with right now, even though he hasn't touched it nope. in like four weeks. So and pets all are family. Sudden, so just enjoy. He's having a good time. So we're going to let him have a good time. He's having some fun. He He was not having fun over Christmas. He got really sick. So. I'm just happy that he's okay. He can do whatever he wants. (laughs) And also I've been talking a lot about my family. So I'm taking kind of a road trip and I'm taking my cats and they think I'm an insane person, but I don't really have a choice given certain things going on with my cats. So like, I can't leave them. And so, and kennels are expensive. They're expensive and it stresses the animals out. Like, I feel like it's not fun. So anyway, that is a bit of a tangent. Pets are family. And so Mulder is going to pull over and ask for directions. And Scully is lost on why Mulder is so interested in the missing persons case. And Mulder says that Bailey worked for the U.S. Forestry Service, which makes the disappearance a federal case. This is a federal employee. And Scully says it's not the jurisdiction that she's questioning. Mulder says that Bailey isn't the first person to go missing from Holman's Lake recently. Two weeks ago, a Boy Scout troop was out fossil hunting and their leader walked off to relieve himself. And he hasn't been seen since. And Scully asks if he thinks there's a serial killer at large. And Mulder says, large is the opposite word. And they pass another billboard. And this one has like a thing on it, but it's bigger. It's got, instead of being like the first picture looked like a lake and then like a big like lump of like ground or something. It was green. The next one has a lake and it's got a big lump of something, but there's two lumps, but it still looks like maybe it's like the land or something. Maybe. I don't know. And it's all what's bigger than the sky. And then Scully is like, you're leaving something out. And he's kind of like, "Mm." he kind of plays coy. (laughs) And then she tells him that missing person cases aren't uncommon. And she fails to see why they traveled this far. And he kind of like, "Mm." 
because they're passing another sign. And uh-huh. she's like, oh, you are not serious. And we see <laughs> they drive past and we see the final billboard shows that the thing in the water is a lake monster. And it reads Big Blue, the Southern Serpent. Spot him at Hoveman's Lake. And like the serpent <laughs> head is like extended out from the billboard and like wrapped uh-huh. around. So it's like, yeah. So. Yeah, Scully is not amused. Yeah, when they showed the first one, I was like, oh, they're doing that. But not in the way you think that I would be complaining about them doing that. I was like, oh, they're doing that because that's exactly the kind of thing that you would see if a place were doing that kind of thing. If they Uh would have that kind of weird billboard action. And so the fact that they did it was like dead on. So I was really happy that they did it. Mm -hmm. Uh, It works really well. Because you knew what was coming and you were just waiting for it. And then Uh they did it. So good job. Yeah, it was funny. I thought that was really good. It's a good opening. So then we're at the Ecology Sciences Lab, Hevelman's Lake, and Scully is interviewing Dr. Faraday. Well, Mulder kind of looks around the lab. And Scully says that Faraday was the last person to see Bailey alive, and she understands they argued over an endangered species petition. And Faraday says that Bailey was a hypocrite. And Scully's like, you sound bitter. And Faraday's like, of course I'm bitter. Bailey wrote off three years of research in a single two-hour inspection, but that doesn't mean that Faraday plotted his demise. And Scully notes that in addition to having a motive, Faraday doesn't seem too upset. And Faraday asks if he should cry for one man while entire species are perched on the brink of extinction. So Mulder asks if Faraday is aware of any indigenous species capable of attacking a human being. And Faraday's like, yeah, another human being. So he's one of those guys, <laughs> which, you know, to be fair, I mean, I don't disagree with Faraday. I'm just he's one of those like animal people, which you know, is totally fine. And Mulder says, aside from that, is there any creature? And Faraday cuts him off, annoyed that he's not getting to the point, because like Mulder's kind of hemming and hawing and trying to get him to like say there's a lake monster. And Faraday is just not having it. Yeah. Well, and also he also jumped at Scully a little bit because he was like, are you accusing me of killing him? But she was yeah. not really directly saying that. And so they had like a little back and forth about that too. So he's like not happy with either of them. Right. Cause really... they're both kind of being yeah. not passive aggressive, but not really. No one's to being direct. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So Mulder asked if he's come across any evidence that supports the existence of the creature they call big blue and Faraday smiles. And he says, this is what always happens whenever an issue requires any real thought, any serious mental effort, people turn to ufos and sea serpents soon our ability to think will be as extinct as some of the species of frogs yeah, he, and he specifies the species but they're hard for us to say we're not going to say that he does <laughs> I it a sit lot here and struggle through it so, for a while we don't yeah. really have time no so Mulder takes that to mean that faraday doesn't believe in the existence of such a creature and faraday's like i'm not even going to grace that statement with a reply so yeah clearly not a fan of big blue and Mulder's like, well, the idea of a prehistoric creature living in a lake isn't without precedence. Last August, they pulled a bull shark from Lake Onaga in Massachusetts. And Faraday says that was just an anomaly that serves as fodder for pseudoscientists with nothing better to do than to chase fairy tales. And then he like excuses himself because he's done with this nonsense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he is like, he, he's basically Scully. I mean, he's like, Scully, who has never worked with Mulder in a way, he's kind of like, <laughs> science, shut up with your pseudoscience crap. I ain't got time for you. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's out Scully here. <laughs> he's out Scully Scully. More. Yeah. yeah. 
So then Mulder and Scully walk up to a shop and it has like bait and tackle and big letters on it. And then it also has a huge inflatable big blue on the roof that covers like the entire roof and it's almost bigger than like probably the building itself. It's like anyway. And then Scully's got Queequeg with her on a leash. And Mulder tells Scully that lake monsters have been reported for centuries from Nessie and Loch Ness to Okopogo and Lake Okanagan. And Scully adds and Lake Champlain, that would be Champy, by the way, and Lava Lock Iceland. I don't know what the name of that one is, sorry. And then Mulder is impressed that Scully knows something about lake monsters. And she says she did as a kid, but then she grew up and became a scientist. And Mulder's <laughs> like, some grown-up cryptozoologists believe it could be an evolutionary throwback, prehistoric even. And Scully's like, an aquatic dinosaur. And he's like a plesiosaur, actually, though he admits that there's not a lot of hard evidence to back that up. And Scully says it's because those creatures don't exist. They're folktales born out of a fear of the unknown. And Mulder asks how many folktales she knows that could eat a scout troop leader and a biologist. She doesn't answer because she doesn't. So there you go. <laughs> I know a lot of folktales that could, but they would have to be real, right? <laughs> so they go inside the store, which is full of big blue souvenirs. And in a display case, they have what they claim is a scale from Big Blue dated February 20th, 1965. And Mulder's like, Scully, check this out. (laughs) And Scully thinks it looks like an insect casing, maybe something from a beetle. And the shopkeeper, Ted, asks if he can help them. And Mulder says they're looking for the Lakeview cabins. And Ted's like, oh, you missed the turn a few miles back. He says it's tough to find and suggests a map might help. They're $2.50 each. So Mulder agrees, takes the map, and gets out his wallet. And Ted's like, you don't look like you're out here to fish trout. And so Scully tells him they're FBI, and they're investigating some missing persons reports. And he says, oh, yeah, that's big news around here. And Mulder's like, what are people saying? And Ted says the same thing they've been saying for years. He's not one for spreading rumors, but he's heard the story since he was a kid. And Mulder's like, about Big Blue? What kind of stories? Who's <laughs> jumping on it? He couldn't get Faraday to tell him anything. So he's like, oh my gosh, the store owner mm-hmm. is going to give me the scoop. So Ted tells them that when he was 10 years old, he was fishing with his dad when they heard a commotion across the lake. There was a sound like he'd never heard before or since. His dad later told him that a cow had escaped the ranch and was drinking from the lake when Big Blue came up and snatched her right off the shore. And Scully says that's a great story. And Ted says it's just one of many. And Scully's like, those stories probably sell a lot of t-shirts. Cynical. (laughs) And Scully asks if he believes the stories. And Ted believes you have to look at the evidence and decide for yourself. Yeah. Although Ted does kind of smile when she says that about. Yeah. Sells a lot of t-shirts because he's like folding a t-shirt. He's like, yeah, I mean, it does. Yeah, not wrong. Not wrong. wrong. So then a man enters the shop and he goes over and Ted is like, if you want a real expert, you need to ask Ansel here. And Ansel comes in. He's got like at least two cameras around his neck. And he tells them that Ansel's out there practically every day. And it was his daddy's cow that got eaten too. And then so Ansel has some film canisters and he puts them on the counter and he asks Ted if he can get them developed by tomorrow. And then he asks for like another five rolls, put them on his tab. So Ted is like reaching in the counter to get some film, I think. And then Ted tells Ansel that Mulder and Scully are FBI and looking into the unsolved mystery of how those people have disappeared. Ansel laughs. He's like, since when is it a mystery? And Mulder asks if he thinks Big Blue is responsible. And Ansel's like, don't you? And Mulder's like, well, have you ever seen Big Blue? 
And Ansel says, not directly, but he aims to. One day he'll be in the right place at the right time. And he'll snap a shot of it. So, Yeah, he'll get him someday. Mm-hmm. Ansel is played by R. Nelson Brown. He'll actually be in two episodes of Millennium. And in 2008, he'll play a fisherman in a TV movie called Beyond Loch Ness. So what? just a fun little, fun little coincidence. He's also been on 21 Jump Street, The Outer Limits, and Supernatural. Yeah. Ted is a total caricature, but yet he's like super good. It's like, yeah, oh, he's 10 years old, fishing with my dad. It's like pure gold. It's just like really good. So because he has an accent and everything. So yeah. I feel like really the characters good. in this episode are really fun. Like the local yeah. people are just fun. Also, I mean, we talk about this. We talk about the billboards. They made a lot of merch for this episode. There's a lot of big blue merch in this episode. I know. They I did. wish they went. They did a lot of manufacturing. I wish it stuff. was around somewhere. Like you could buy yeah. it. I wonder if they sold it or something. I mean, I'm sure like you could probably buy the big plesiosaur inflator. I'm I'm not sure they mm-hmm. made that, but they like the cups and t-shirts and all kinds of mm-hmm. stuff and, and the billboards and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, they, they did a lot. So also, I really like in the scene, like when Mulder asked Ansel, like you know what he thinks and then Ansel hesitates a little bit and he's like don't you I really wanted him to say that yes he knew it was responsible for it but then say it was like a serial killer and that oh. it wasn't Big Blue but then he, he would keep going on about how Big Blue was real and he was going to get a picture of Big Blue and the killer was taking advantage of the story like I just thought that would be like a nice little twist if, that'd like, be cool he thought it was you know just to add that because like scully mentioned serial killer before and Mulder's like no and so then you would have some dude who like totally like yes he's a, he's real and i'm gonna get a picture of him but i don't think it's him killing these people i think it's a serial killer so i saw yeah just because he has he has a little bit of hesitation when he does it and i was waiting for it but then he didn't yeah but, i could see that i think they probably don't want to do that because they don't want to introduce that as a real option you know? yeah i mean it would it would i mean it would require more stuff although there's uh-huh. probably some stuff later that they probably could have cut out of this episode and use some of that but anyway yeah I just, no I'd they like... couldn't <laughs> <laughs> that conversation is long and perfect leave it alone i mean it does it does we'll and we're not it. there yet but it, it does it does, it does get used <laughs> later but i don't know that it needed to be used later to do all the stuff it does so true, and also it's true. something they already did once before but anyway so yeah and the timing of why they did it when they're doing it is also kind of strange because i'm not thinking that's what you'd be talking about at that moment but okay Anyway, we are ahead of ourselves. (laughs) So a man on a dock puts a worm on the hook of his fishing rod and then he casts it out into the water. And something snags the hook and pulls hard on the line. So the man tries to reel it in and he's like pulling really hard on the pole and like reeling. And then he sees something in the water. And he realizes his hook is attached to a human leg wearing boots and jeans. Yeah, not good. So Mulder and Scully are still in the bait shop and Ted is giving them directions when the door opens and the fisherman tells Ted to call the sheriff. They've got a floater. So Mulder and Scully rush out onto the dock and Ansel follows and he's taking photos the whole time, obviously. Mm -hmm. And the fisherman stands behind them as they pull at the body. And we see it's only the bottom half of the body. And Mulder says that it's Scott Woosley, the Boy Scout troop leader. Yeah, because he pulled the wallet out of the pants. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't, doesn't just, just, re- doesn't just recognize his butt or anything. So, yeah. <laughs> well, given that he's never seen the man, that would be quite a feat. Yeah, especially because in the water, it's probably all bloated and not mm-hmm. the same. Yeah. So Scully knows that the fly is undone. And Mulder's like, are you insinuating something? And Scully says that most drowning victims are found with high levels of alcohol in their blood and their flies unzipped. 
They lose their balance urinating over the sides of boats or docks, fall in and drown. And Mulder says, well, that doesn't explain why half of him is missing. It looks like something took a big bite out of him. And Scully says, or not so big. Fish eat decomposing matter, so any body that's been in the water for a period of time will be a food source. We eat fish, fish eat us. And Mulder asks if fish are known for eating half and saving the other half for later. Yeah, that was a super weak explanation, Scully. I mean, it's okay to just say you don't know something if you can't explain it. It's fine. I can just be like, I don't know. Although it's true that like things in the water do get eaten and bodies do come apart as they. Yeah, but not happens. Not as cleanly as we were supposed to expect based on this not great prop that you're using. True. Yes. So later that evening, we get several shots of the Serene Lake and we see Ted and he's walking through the mud and we find out that he's wearing these boots that have like lizard feet on the boots. So he's making he's making tracks Mm -hmm. and then he gets stuck and he's struggling to pull his boot free. And then we get the point of view of something or someone coming towards him from the lake. And Ted hears it. And again, we get that thing where like all the birds and animals around go silent. And Mm -hmm. so Ted's looking around. But again, when things go silent, no one turns around and looks at the water, despite the fact that apparently there's like a monster eating people in the water. But no one still looks at the water when he looks at the trees. Anyway, Ted keeps struggling to get free. But then he finally does turn around, but it's too late. And he's like, ah, and he's attacked and dragged into the water leaving one of his big blue boots stuck in the mud. Then it's a commercial. It's like, oh, Ted, don't be dead, dude. But yeah, just trying to make a living, man. Poor Ted. I know, I know. I mean, if you're selling souvenirs, how are you going to drum up business? Yep. You make prints around the lake. Yep. So then it's the next day and we see Ted's hat on the ground there where his body was dragged in. And we kind of see like a depression in the ground too, where the body was dragged away. And Ansel is there. He's taking photos and he tells Mulder that he recognizes the hat. And Mulder's like, how could you not? Because it said like, let me see your bobbers on top because it's fishing, but it's also, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing. So, and then he also tells Mulder that Ted's Ford is parked half a mile back. And that also we have all these tracks all around from the monster. Oh my God. So look at the size of them. And then Scully arrives with Sheriff Hint. And then she also has Queequeg with her on the leash. And Queequeg is like not wanting to stay in place. He's wanting to go search around in the woods because it's fun. Yay. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Mulder tells them to watch where they're walking so they don't step on the tracks. And Hint shakes Mulder's hand and then tells Ansel, who won't stop taking pictures, to go like, go go check the woods or something. Like, get out of my face. Because like, Ansel's like, oh, click, 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 click. I know. Yeah. Everything. Rapid fire photo. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so Ansel's like, today's the day. I'm going to get him. And then he heads off into the trees. And then Mulder asks the sheriff if he has found any sign of Ted. And Hint says no. And then asks Mulder what this he hears about them wanting to close the lake. And Mulder says, just until they can figure out what's going on. And Hint says that it's the same thing that goes on every year. Fishermen get drunk. They drown. They get run over by a powerboat. In a lake this size, you're going to have eight, nine, ten deaths in a season. That's just a statistical fact. And Mulder points out that two or three in as many weeks is a little outside the bell curve. And Hint tells Mulder that this lake has 48 miles of shoreline. He has four full-time deputies. To close a lake this big, 
he's going to need to call in the National Guard or something. So mm-hmm. it's not really about closing the lake, honestly. No. It's like, there's no shark. We're not going to close the beach. <laughs> we don't need to. Yeah, it it's is fine. It is it's very fine. Jaws. <laughs> yeah. And Scully kind of agrees with the sheriff. She's like, Mulder, we would need irrefutable proof to close the lake. And Mulder's like, what about all these tracks? And Scully's like, a creature as big as the one that you're looking for would have left much deeper impressions. And Queequeg the whole time has been like, you get on it. And she's been, she's been a little, I mean, she hasn't been mean, but she's been kind of like, quick, stop, kind of thing. Yeah. And then finally he like takes off and jerks her away. So she goes off with Queequeg. And Scully follows him and Queequeg is sniffing around and he finds one of Ted's lizard track boots. <gasps> Go Queequeg, good boy. And then so she calls Hint and Mulder over and is like, there's your lake monster, Mulder. And Scully says, it's all a hoax. And Mulder bends down close to the boot and he touches the top of it and he's got blood on his fingers. And he's like, yeah, but what happened to the hoaxer? <laughs> mm. That part is very Scooby-Doo as well. Yes, very. In more ways than one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, because there's a dog too, yeah. Well, that and then I might as well say my part now. I realized they needed it for the scene. Because honestly, I thought I, as the scene were progressing, I figured Ansel had taken the boot and hidden it so that maybe he was in on the whole like building up the monster thing. Uh-huh. Because Ted's boot is found like up a little like rising and like back in some trees when he was standing on the edge of the lake. His boot should have been right there, mm-hmm. like right there. And it wasn't. So I just assumed that Ansel had taken it already. But no, it's just they moved it so that it wasn't there when they were looking around so they could have all the discussions about it was a lake monster. And then we could find it. Because otherwise, it would have been right there. So, yeah. And Sheriff Hint is played by Chris Ellis. He'll also be on three episodes of Millennium. He's appeared in the movies My Cousin Vinny, Wag the Dog, That Thing You Do, and Catch Me If You Can, among others. He's also been on Roswell, Diagnosis Murder, and Veronica Mars. So, And then there are two stoners sitting at the edge of a dock. And their green van is parked nearby and it's covered in like Grateful Dead stickers and other kind of like hippie stickers. Jimi Hendrix, The Misfits, yeah. Nine Inch Nails. There's all kinds of, yeah. A lot oh, of actually yeah. conflicting kind of music too for what you would think would be your different types of people who imbibe. But yeah. Yeah. So anyway, on the dock, the dude is telling the girl that he saw some special on the Discovery Channel about a cult that revolves around tree frogs. It's really spiritual, he says. And then he like takes a swig of beer. And the woman is kind of dubious. And the guy is holding a frog. And he's like talking about how it will enhance your perception and all this stuff. And then he licks the frog and nothing happens. Well, except he's like. (laughs) Yeah, well, except it tastes gross, right? And also you'll get salmonella. So super not great idea. And then this guy in a snorkel gear pops up out of the water and scares them like he just like comes up out of the surface and the stoner guy drops the frog when he gets scared and so the frog leaps away and the stoner dude is annoyed and he tells the diver that he made him lose his toad and the diver's like i'll get you another one and he puts his snorkel back on and dives into the water and they look back at a road map because they're you know trying to figure out where they're going on this road trip of theirs and then they hear the diver guy struggling And then we see him being like dragged through the water and he's fighting against something that's dragging him. And then the water fills with blood. And then we see the diver's head bob back up to the surface, but it's no longer attached to his body. Yeah, because they're like, oh, dude. But then it tips over and like you see that his neck is just a stump and they're like, oh, so. 
Yeah. And these are the stoner and chick for more of the copper phages that we discussed on that episode played by Tyler Labine and Nicole Parker. So this is where they come back. Yeah. Also the official archives, which is the book that, you know, has the quote unquote X file files in it by Paul Terry. It includes a section where these two apparently come in to make a statement after Mulder and Scully leave. But the officer taking the statement spends a lot of time trying to convince them that there are no toads at the lake, just frogs. So they didn't have a toad, which is kind of funny. And apparently they try to convince him to listen to Nine Inch Nails. So like (laughs) the entire statement is him being like, no, we we don't have toads. And also I'm not listening to that Trent Reznor guy leave me alone. Although in the statement, they do describe seeing an aquatic snake. Hmm. I mean, behavior wise, what we see on screen, that was a shark attack, at least according to Jaws. He's like lifted up out of the water and like pulled across the water and then pulled down and then there's blood. That's exactly what happens in Jaws, which mm-hmm. I think is like a documentary, honestly. So Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. And it is demonized sharks, which are bad. I mean, sharks scare the shit out of me. No, but sharks but they are, are not. They're not evil. They're just doing what they do. And no. like, we don't belong in the water. So stay the hell out of the water and you won't get eaten by a shark or whatever is in the water eating people. So there you go. Yeah. If you're supposed to have, be in the water, you'd have gills or something. You don't, <laughs> so stay out. Anyway. So then Mulder, Scully, and Sheriff Hint are at the scene. And Hint is like, much like Tori was just saying, like in the stuff that was in the book, that Hint is unable to get anything from the stoners. He's like, there's no telling what they've been doing. And Hint asks Mulder and Scully if they have anything. And Scully says it's hard to tell without an autopsy, but it looks like propeller damage from a motorboat. Well, I guess all they have is the head, right? right. And Hint says that this is a designated boating area, and Mulder is incredulous. And he's like, 20 feet from the shore, twice in one day. And Scully gestures to all the boats out in the water because behind them, the water is full of boats. And she's like, it's like rush hour out there. And she thinks he's ignoring the obvious. And Mulder's like, what about Ted? And Scully says, for all they know, he stepped in something and bled in those shoes of his. And he probably got so embarrassed that he doesn't want to show his face. And Mulder mocks her. And is like, is that your new idea of like behavioral psychology, like embarrassment? And Scully's like, regardless of what she believes, there's no hard evidence for what Mulder believes. And then they use the handheld cam thing when Mulder and Scully are arguing, walking away, which made me dizzy. And I don't know why they did that. Oh, like was Blaine there they filming? I don't know either. I don't know. Like you can't suppress the truth. He's all, Maybe. you know, whatever. So Roswell, <laughs> Loch Ness. Roswell, yeah. Roswell. So but yeah, they. For, I don't know for just that <laughs> scene. Ness, that scene. They. It's all, and it's like it's bad. Like I'm walking. And like bouncing as I walk, the camera's like bouncy, bouncy, bouncy as they walk. It was really like, oh, but I know why they do that sometimes what they do. I wonder if that's footage they add after they've taken all the stuff down. So they need to and they realize they need to get it or they want to get some filler and then they don't want to do a whole setup again. So they just do a handheld thing. But then I don't know. It just seems weird. The rest of the scene comes away fine. And then that one just is all bunka, 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 bunka. So, yeah, I was wondering if maybe they were going to have Ansel watching them or something. Oh, so what do you think? Almost we were, a blame thing. Like, he's like watching them taking a photo. He's like filming them, and then that got cut out. Like, we'd flip the, the point of view, and Mulder would be like, Will you get that out of my face? And it would be him like filming or, them. Yeah. Yeah. Or just like filming them without them knowing. And then, you know, they would walk away, and he would be there with his camera. Mm-hmm. And- yeah. Because then we do cut to Ansel. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we cut to Ansel and he has a camera set up on a tripod on a beach. 
and he has a bunch of meat tied to an inner tube and it's in the water and he's got his camera directed at it so this is his like big blue bait right he's gonna get a photo of this monster if it kills him today which it might (gasps) so he steps away to check some equipment beans beans everywhere and something tugs on the lure and when ansel turns around we see something is moving swiftly through the water toward the shore And Ansel has another camera in his hands. And so he tries to get a photo, but he fumbles and he swears. And then the thing attacks him. And then we cut to later and Mulder picks the camera up from the dirt. And he hands it to a deputy asking him to get the role developed. So Hint and another man are dragging the water. And Mulder tells Hint, that's three in one day. You need to close the lake. And Hint reminds Mulder that it's not that simple. Like he can't just press a button and the lake closes. Like he needs manpower. And furthermore, Hint isn't convinced they're dealing with an aquatic menace. And Scully agrees, saying the remains they found so far are inconclusive. And Hint tosses the hook thing back in the water and it snags something. And then he flies into the water like the thing like pulls him and like yanks him in. But he seems to be okay, and he manages to swim back. And Scully and Mulder help him up to shore. And Hint's like something big brushed against me. And so then he orders his men to close the lake down and he wants them to call the state police and wildlife fish and game and tell them they have an emergency situation. Yeah. Like foxhole skeptic much there, Hint. Like he's totally like, oh, no, 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 we can't do that. And he's like, close it down. Close it down. (laughs) Well, he almost died. So now he's changed his mind. I mean, it's not the greatest analogy for an atheist to be using, but you get what I'm saying. Like, you know, he's Mm -hmm. like, he didn't believe, but now he believes. So because. Yeah, impacts him. Also, I think it's hilarious because they're dredging the lake. They're like a bunch of dudes standing in a line, throwing grappling hooks into the water and then pulling them in and then throwing grappling hooks into the water and then pulling them in. Like, is that I I, I don't know if that's real. It's hilarious. It's just funny to see. I mean, maybe you try that first. And if that doesn't work, then you go to the next level. But it's just they're throwing like like they're like they went to the like the ninja store and bought grappling hooks and just chucking them in the water and then pulling them back and chucking them in the water. I thought it was hilarious. Maybe that's what they really do. I don't know. But yeah, I don't fu- know either. It looked funny as hell. So, so in a cabin at night, Mulder is looking through Ansel's photos. So I guess they got them developed. And he's handing them to Scully as he flips through them. And he gets to one. He's like, that could be a tooth. And they're awful photos. Some of them are actually of like blurry photos of like Ansel's face. Like he was had the camera face in the wrong direction and just all kinds of stuff. So like his pants, his legs, the ground. Right. And Scully says, it could be a lot of things. And she's like, 15 years of fruitless hunting, and the only thing he captured was the monster's tooth. And Mulder's like, there has to be visual evidence somewhere. There are thousands of photos here. And he pulls out one of those stacks, and he's like, you know, let's go through them. And then he says he found something else in one photo. But then Quig is like whining at the door. And so Scully says she's going to take him out for a walk. And Mulder's like, you want me to come with you? And she like lifts her jacket up and pats her gun she's like i'll be fine and then she puts on quick hugs leash and they go out the door and she's like have a good night and Mulder's like just going through photos 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 so anyway outside quick quick starts barking at something and scully's like i'm not gonna you're not going in the woods just like do your business so we can go back inside and then he starts whining and so scully like pulls out her flashlight and is looking like what's there because he starts whining and barking and he runs and he pulls up the leash and he actually yanks the leash out of her hand you know one of the retractable leashes kind of things mm-hmm. and he like yanks it completely out of her hand i thought at first he broke it but then later she's like trying to catch the thing so i realized that he just jerked it out of her hand and then scully chases him into the trees and then finally the leash the handle part 
gets caught on like some fallen logs. So like it stops, right? And so she's able to get the leash and she pulls it. And then we hear like dog kind of like little growling and then kind of like whining and then kind of like yelping. And then, you know, Scully is like, got her gun out because she doesn't know what's going on. And then the leash just starts retracting. And all that comes back is Queen Quag's collar and she holds it up. And honest, I don't... I don't know what that face is supposed to be that she does. I don't have a number for it. Sorry, folks. But she makes a face that is supposed to be her sadness, trauma, whatever, about Quick being dead. So, yeah. It's, it's a sad gone. face. My note for that is just like three unhappy faces. Yeah, which is um. honestly more, makes more sense than whatever that face was. <laughs> I think her face is fine. It's confusion versus like shock versus she's you know. just standing there with her mouth open making i don't know what again i don't have i don't know yeah anyway move on so yeah i, I don't think know, she's I, just i don't know what that face is supposed to be unhappy so we come back and scully's just kind of holding the collar and leash and looking sad face i guess and Mulder's like i'm sorry about quick wig and then he's like i think i've learned something from these photos they're not pictures of the lake monster they're pictures of the lake locations where fish have been sighted over the past several years. And he's got a map and it's all marked up with like little X's of like, like fish stuff. And so he walks up and shows her the map and he's, the fish used to be in the middle of the lake all the time. And they progressively move closer to the shore until this year when they're practically on the shore. And then Scully, who's been like out of it basically this whole time, kind of like, can you repeat that? I wasn't, you know, it kind of faded out. And Mulder's like, well, what part? And she's like, after you're sorry. So basically, he didn't hear anything he said. And right. so he's just like, can you drive a boat? So. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I guess she just went, like, I don't know. If that had happened to me, I'd have been like, Tori! And then you would have, like, thrown down the photos and you would have run out and we would have both gone into the woods with our guns and we would have found out what happened. But apparently yeah. she just, like, went into the cabin and sat down and looked sad. Well- and then we don't know how long it's been. I mean, she probably looked for him a little bit, but we did hear him yelp and go quiet. So, and then his collar came back with nothing on it. Yeah, but so you I would don't... you would go out. You wouldn't just be like, oh well. Well, I don't. Back. We don't know that she did though, right? We didn't see what happened. So, yeah, there's a time jump. But yeah, I mean, if it were my cat, one, I wouldn't obviously be walking my cat. But two, um, you can't. Yeah. You can cats on leash. Yeah, not my cats. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I would definitely be like looking a little bit longer. But like, I think she just um, knows that Queequeg is gone and nothing is going to save him. And again, we don't know how long she was out there either. Yeah, so. but you could get vengeance. Yeah. Guns, so. It's true. Anyway. Oh, poor Queequeg. I do like that she's really zoned out though. And then Mulder's just talking <laughs> to like monster. And she's like, I mean, that part what? is better than the face that she made the first time. So, yeah, okay. I think her face is fine, but it's fine. I'm waiting for like bugs to fly into her mouth because she's just like she's surprised. <laughs> I think she part not... I, I think a lot of it too, it wasn't so much the face, it was that she held that face for so long with no movement, and they like zoomed in and panned around her face with the open <laughs> mouth. I think that's what made it worse was the fact that she held it for so long, yeah, instead of like just not moving at all. It was just like oh, <laughs> And then they don't, you know, they just like zoom in on it. Like that. That, that was probably more of it was that they held it too, way too long. Yeah. So, but. but apparently Scully can drive a boat because they're on a boat. Well, I don't know about, we'll find out. I don't know. 
Well, I didn't say she was good at it. I said she could do it. <laughs> well, if you're using that criteria, anybody can drive a boat. I mean, they're not that hard to drive. So <laughs> just, that's not true. I've never driven a boat. So they're on a boat and we see this radar sonar screen that shows clusters of fish. And Scully's like, oh, it's too bad we're not out here fishing because, you know, there's a lot of fish out here. And we'll just like, we are fishing. And Scully's <laughs> like, you really expect to find this thing, don't you? And Mulder points on the map where she needs to go. And so she takes that as yes. And Mulder says he knows the difference between hope and expectation. But then something bigger alerts on the sonar and it like starts beeping. And this thing that looks like a cluster of fish is rapidly approaching their boat. And it looks like it's coming straight at them. And as the light on the screen hits the boat, the boat rocks from impact. And the impact also apparently busts open the hull and water starts flooding into the boat. So Scully radios for help and is like calling Mayday and Mulder kind of assesses the leak, but no one is answering their call. So Mulder opens the container that has the emergency equipment and he tells Scully they need to get out of there. So they put on life vests and then we get the POV of something watching them from the water. (gasps) And then it's a little bit later and we see the final part of the boat sink beneath the water. And Scully's like, there goes our $500 deposit. I think the FBI will reimburse them for that. I think they're probably fine, but mm-hmm. or maybe not. Maybe Skinner will be like, why did you need a boat? <laughs> anyway, you doing out there. I didn't approve this trip. What are you doing? <laughs> true. I mean, they left on a Saturday. I fixed my office and then you guys were gone. And what are you doing? I don't know what you're doing. Yeah. I, I doubt that Mulder got approval. <laughs> so we see that they're standing on what looks like a rocky outcropping in the water. And Mulder suggests they swim to shore because it can't be that far. And so Scully is kind of incredulous and it's really dark. And so she's kind of turns around and they have these lanterns, but they don't really shoot light very far. And so they both kind of look around and she's like, in what direction? And they don't see anything in any direction. And Mulder says that living in a city, you forget that night is actually dark. And mm-hmm. Scully's like, you forget a lot of things. You're always worried about getting mugged or hit by a car. It's not until you get out to nature that you remember everything is out to get you. Yeah, I think they only have one lantern. I think Stoli's holding it. I think they just have one. Yeah, they might. Yeah. It's not very bright. It doesn't shoot light very far. No. Although there is some weird lighting behind them that I guess is maybe supposed to be the moon or something because like the rock is lit behind them as well. But yeah. Yeah. So then something splashes in the water and both of them draw their guns. And then another splash comes from behind them. So they whip around, but they don't see anything. And then nothing else happens. And Mulder's like, that was him, Scully. That was Big Blue. Not sure why Mulder thinks it's him, but he says him. So anyway, Scully says, so what if it was? What are we even doing here? And she takes her life vest off. And then she asks Mulder what he's hoping to accomplish. And Mulder says, some of the things they investigate are intangible. But this creature exists within the specific earthly confines of this lake. And he wants to find it. And Scully's like, for what? And Mulder's like, you're a scientist. How can you ask that? And Scully says, you know what I really saw in those pictures the photographer took? And Mulder's like, not a tooth. And she's like, you. That man is your future, listening only to himself, hoping to catch a glimpse of the truth for who knows what reason. And Mulder says he heard Ansel joke that he was going to live off the copyright fees of a genuine big blue photo. And Scully says, well, at least that's a legitimate reason. And Mulder's like, you don't think my reasons are legitimate? And she says, sometimes she just can't figure them out. So I have some questions. 
One is did Scully actually just crash that boat into the rock, or they were pushed into the rock by something? Because something I don't did know, come like the them. boat. The boat sinks and they're like on a rock. Yeah. And then why did she take her vest off? Because they're still like in the water. Like what if something happens? And then why is she so crabby? And then also, are they actually standing on the back of Big Blue like they were in a cartoon? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think she's super crabby, but I mean, her dog did just die because of this investigation. So I think she has a little bit of a right to be a little cranky. Mm. Okay. I'll grant that. But I'm starting to, I do think she crashed the boat into the rock. She might have. Although I also have questions about that that we'll get to in a little bit too. Yeah, so. it's dark. I mean, it's possible that that's yeah. what happened. Yeah. So there's more noise in the water. So Mulder looks around and Scully grabs her gun. And then there's another noise, so they stand. But then through the fog on the water, a duck appears, quacking. And Mulder jokes that he's still tempted to fire. And then later, they've laid out their life jackets on the rock, so they're sitting on the life jackets. I'm still not sure why they've taken them off, especially if they think there's a monster maybe in the water or something in the water. Yeah, I guess take life jackets off, but they're on dry ground, quote unquote, so they're not going to jump yeah, in the water. Yeah, but it's not very large ground and if something does attack you, you might need to get off of the dry ground into the water. Yeah, anyway, I don't know. I think they're a big, heavy vest or anything. I don't know. So they're having a conversation. They're talking. And Mulder asks Scully if she could ever cannibalize someone. And Scully says that though the idea is abhorrent to her, under certain conditions, people are primed to perform whatever extreme measures are necessary to survive. And Mulder says it's amazing what some animals will do. Mulder's getting hungry. Yeah, he is. I mean, who knows how long they've been out there? I didn't see them order a pizza or anything beforehand. They probably haven't no. had dinner. Mulder's doing that cartoon thing where, like, Scully's in a hot dog bun. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Mulder says a creature of this size must have adapted its behavior over the years to minimize its chances of being seen by its only predator, people. Coming closer to shore must have been an act of desperation on its part. And Scully's like, oh, poor Quag. And Mulder asks why she named her dog that. And so she talks about how her father used to read her Moby Dick and she called him Ahab and he called her Starbuck. So she named the dog Quag. And then she says she just realized something. And Mulder's like, that Quag is a bizarre name for a dog? <laughs> and she's like, no, the Mulder is a lot like Ahab. So consumed by personal vengeance against life that everything takes on a warp significance to fit his megalomaniacal cosmology. And Walter's like, Scully, are you coming on to me? Scully's got daddy issues. She said he called her dad Ahab, and now she's saying that Mulder's Ahab. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't oh. think that's the connection. But <laughs> yeah. And then she's like, the truth or a white whale, what difference does it make? Both obsessions are impossible to capture. And Mulder jokes, he's always wanted a peg leg. And then he talks a bit about societal and ableist expectations of the world. I don't know. It's kind of, they have a really long conversation. It goes on. No, and it's very... actually pretty good. And in this little short sentence, it sounds almost like Mulder's saying gross stuff. And he's actually not. No, he's, he's actually, not. He's saying he's this being super positive. Has... And it's like, if I had a peg leg, maybe I'd be happier with my life because I would be like, I'm living my life. I'm, I'm moving on. I'm, I'm going. I'm doing it. Right. And so. Instead yeah. of feeling like he's expected to be this golden boy who can like. Yeah be this fbi wonderkind or something you know and then there's a splash in the water and they both get up and get their guns out and their lantern burns out (gasps) and it's commercial yeah i do think this little bit here was script padding but i mean i think it was but it was also nice it does come up later they use it later so it's not like they just stuck it in and then don't talk about it right but in their long talk with Mulder doing his talk about peg like all kind of stuff 
he does quote Moby Dick and Scully kind of laughs at the quote he uses. But then I'm like, if you can quote Moby Dick, why are you doing like that? Why did you name your dog quick, quick? And also she's told him this whole Starbuck Ahab story with her dad. So yeah. I don't know what's going on there. I but. mean, I know that you like Kolchak, but if you named your cat Vincenzo, I might still ask you why you named your cat Vincenzo. Like, is it because something we about argue the cat all the time that remains? Yeah, exactly. So you never, you know, so I mean, I don't think that's an unfair question. Like, even though I know where you got the name, I would still be uh, like, okay. Oh, but why okay. would you name the cat that? Like, is there okay. some reason? Does he remind you of Simon Oakland? Whatever. That's a cool check reference. Sorry, people. Um, Not sorry. Check out our Patreon. <laughs> yeah. You can hear us talk lots about cool check. But yeah, I think that's a fair question. It's not like I don't know where this name came from. It's okay. just why did you name the dog? Yeah. The whole Starbucks thing, though, again, is that's that's real. Yeah, she has they, said that before. They've, for had, sure. they've had that discussion. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But I guess if you haven't seen that episode, you need to know the whole story. It's television. I get it. But yeah. Also, I'm not the whole time Mulder is talking to you. We only see Mulder like from like the shoulders up and he's wiggling the whole time <laughs> he's talking. And I'm not sure what he's doing because it's like he's not watching bigfoot videos so it's just it's really weird he's just talking the whole time and he's like oh wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. i'm like what are you doing <laughs> i think he's supposed to be like rubbing his hands together to keep himself warm but it just looks obscene. it looks bad yeah <laughs> i didn't even notice that but yeah i can anyway. see that not looking great <laughs> oh man hmm. anyway and they cut back and forth with him and scully the whole time and he does it, he's doing it the whole time and i'm like what are you <laughs> oh man yeah i loved it though it was hilarious but i was like what are you doing so oh dear <laughs> so then we come back from commercial and someone is shining a flashlight in their faces. And he's like, I thought I heard voices. What are you two doing out here? And it's Dr. Faraday. And he's like, oh, I hope I'm not interrupting anything. So I don't know. Maybe it has to do with what Mulder was doing. I don't know what Mulder was doing. <laughs> I think it's just because so. they're like lying down on the rock and they've got yeah. like, what? Well, it's not blankets. It's their life jackets, but like it's underneath them. So they're and they're just kind of like having a conversation. So it looks like they could be uh, yeah. getting up anyway, and stuff. Scully is like, oh, we had a little trouble with our boat. And then Mulder's like, actually, it sank. And Scully says, we'd have been out here all night if you hadn't answered our distress call. And Faraday's like, I didn't. I was walking by and heard you talking. And then he, like, turns his flashlight and he's like, the shore is just right over there. It's the shore throw. So they're, like, really close to the shore. Like four feet um, or something. It's really very close. And he's like, come on, I'll walk you back over. And so they gather their stuff and they follow Faraday through the little shallow water to the shore. Which, then, how did the boat sink? I don't. I don't think it sunk right next to the rock, but it was close. They were to the standing rock. right next to the rock, and they are not wet. They're they're not any more wet than they were in the boat because they are wet yeah. in the boat from the water pouring in. Yeah, I don't know. It's that they were standing on Big Blue, and Big Blue swam over to the shore, and then they got off, and Big Blue swam away. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, on shore, Faraday refills their lantern for them because I guess he's got fuel. That's cool. And he tells them the sheriff is going to come and pick them up. And he says he'd give them a ride, but he has work to do. And Scully's like, well, what are you doing out here this late? And he's like, this is the night that the frog species are most active. And 
where we are in Strikers Cove is their most fertile breeding ground, or it used to be. Now you have to turn over many a leaf to find their eggs. And then Faraday has a big old bag of frogs. He does. He's a bag of frogs. And he's been breeding them in captivity and then releasing them out into the wild. So he's got to go distribute the frogs. Mm-hmm. And the Mulder's like, oh, he has a realization. And he's like, if one life form in an ecosystem is altered or removed, it affects everything else. So if an aquatic dinosaur's diet consists primarily of frogs and those frogs become scarce, then it would have to search for an alternative food source. A human, Scully asks. And Faraday says Mulder is taking his legitimate research and stretching things way out of proportion to try and give it validity to a ludicrous theory. There is no prehistoric lakes monster. And Mulder argues that the creature lives in this cove, which explains the disappearance of frogs as well as the recent human attacks. And Faraday insists that that's absurd. And he's been doing research in this area for years. If something lived in these waters, he would have seen it. Mulder says this is a prehistoric creature that's gone unnoticed for thousands of years. And if it knows how to do anything, it knows how to hide. Maybe it even has an inline habitat in the dense forest or on the rocks. Faraday says he has no time for these absurdities and he excuses himself. And it's like, ah, I got frogs to release. And he walks away. And <laughs> Scully's like, well, Captain, what now? So, yeah. She's Ahabbing him again. Mm-hmm. She's ribbing him a little. So Sheriff Hint arrives and tells him there's been another death. And this time it does appear to be an animal attack. It bit a fisherman's arm clear off. And Mulder asks where it happened. And Hint says on the other side of the lake a couple hours ago. His department has the cooperation of the state police and full use of the wildlife, fish, and game department's vessels, and he's already got a full-scale search underway. And Mulder's like, we need those men here, searching the woods. And Hint is like, I've got 30 boats in the water already if they're going to find this thing. And Mulder cuts him off, and he tells him he needs to sweep Stryker's Cove. But Hint refuses, saying he's got them looking near the attack, and he's not moving them, because that's where they think they'll find the thing. And Hint's like, you're welcome to search these woods yourselves, but I have a water search to run. So he starts to leave and Scully stops him and says they'd appreciate it if he could spare a few men to help them over here. So Hint agrees and he says he'll send them down and Mulder thanks her. So kind of nice. Scully's like, all right. Also, she probably wants to catch the thing that killed her dog. I would. I mean, yeah. I mean, I said that earlier, but I mean, I guess it takes a little while. Shock. I would be catatonic if something happened to my cat. Like I, I was basically catatonic all like over Christmas weekend. One of my cats got sick and then it snowed and I couldn't get him to a vet. And like, I was just a mess. I couldn't do anything. So it was super fun. So yeah, I can imagine he's fine now. Thank goodness. But whoo, it was a stressful few days. Yeah. So there's a noise and they realize it might be Faraday. So they follow it. Yeah. Cause and it's they, not just a noise. It's like, Oh, yeah it's someone makes a noise i should say not just a random noise and they find faraday propped against a tree he says he thinks something grabbed his leg but it came from behind and he didn't see it it had him and it moved back and forth and then it just let go so scully looks at his leg and then she asks for his belt and she says he thinks he nicked an artery and they have to get him to a hospital so she uses the belt as kind of a makeshift tourniquet and Mulder asks where the creature went and then heads off in that direction And he walks through the trees with his gun and flashlight out. And after a moment or so, he hears a noise and he aims his gun, but it's just a frog. So he keeps going 
And then a branch cracks and several branch trees like snap as something moves under the brush. And Mulder runs and he trips and he ends up with his back against a tree and he fires at the thing coming toward him and he shoots it and we see it's an alligator. Yeah, and he unloads his gun, just clicking mm-hmm. at the end. Yeah. And also Faraday was like, oh, I didn't want to believe you, but so Faraday is a believer now too. And he's like, mm, oh, he's at least more willing to believe because something bit him. And so, yeah. But yeah, it's an alligator and poof, Mulder shot it. I mean, killed the alligator but i get you know it's attacking people so again yeah um, it's sad but yeah but yeah he shot it and it died and it's just sitting there being all dead so so they load faraday onto an ambulance and the alligator's body has been loaded onto the back of a flatbed truck and Mulder asks scully like how faraday is and she says he'll be fine and then so apparently i guess the artery thing isn't a big deal now because she did a tourniquet so good job well he'll survive he'll survive so she asks how Mulder is, and he says he's fine. And she tells him he slew the big white whale. Get over it already, Scully. Come on. Anyway, he's like, I still don't have a peg leg. And she tells him the alligator would have gone through half the local population if he hadn't killed it. And Mulder says, I know, but I wanted Big Blue to be real. And he's like, I see hope in the possibility. And then Scully says that there's still hope. That's why myths and stories have endured. People want to believe. And then she smiles and then Mulder smiles and they stare at the moonlight on the surface of the water and they walk back to their cabin because they go on and do it. And then um, after they do, we see a serpentine like neck and a body appear above the surface of the water and then it dives back in and then it's over. Yeah, I think the last bit was probably unnecessary. Like I get why they did it, but I'm like, I don't know that we needed that. But. I don't, I mean, like, what? The X-Files overdoing things? Um, Yeah, they didn't. <laughs> yeah. Didn't need, to, didn't need to be done. They could have. Yeah. So, also quite the quick turnaround on the whole, like, people want to believe and smile at the end that we get there from Scully, despite, like, a real scientific explanation for the phenomena. And then an entire episode of her being like, Mulder, you're being ridiculous. So, quite a yeah, quick I mean, she did there. ask Kent to have people come help them search and stuff. So, I don't think it was. Yeah, that again, quick. but quite a quick turnaround. Like, boom, all of a sudden. So. Yeah. So um, I mentioned before, I grew up in Lake Tahoe and Lake Tahoe does have a lake monster because Lake Tahoe is a big tourist industry driven town. This lake no. Oh. So the monster is Tahoe Tessie and Tessie supposedly resides in a tunnel that's under cave rock in Lake Tahoe. Lake Tahoe is an incredibly large lake. It spans two states. So it's actually on the border of California and Nevada. And when I grew up in Lake Tahoe, a lot of people be like, oh, you're from Nevada? And I'll be like, no, no, I'm the California side. There's a California side. People think Nevada because they think casinos. But South Lake Tahoe is actually California. And then there's a state line. And <laughs> the state line is literally at the doors of Harris Casino. So <laughs> they built the casino. Oh, yeah, right duh. You where built Nevada a casino starts. at the border. Oh, but right yeah, there. I, grew, I grew up in California. My family still lives there. Lake Tahoe has 191 square miles of surface area. Its average depth is 1,000 feet. And at its deepest part, it's about 1,645 feet deep. So it's a large lake. I don't know that it's large enough for a dinosaur. I don't know that any lake How many miles of shoreline does it have, Tori? I did not look. I should have looked. The funny thing about Tahoe Tessie is, so I, my grandparents owned a house there when I was a little kid. And so we would go up to Tahoe all the time. And then I moved there with my family when I was seven. 
I have been at the lake my entire life. I have swum in that lake a million times, probably when it was too cold to really be in there. But I have zero memory of hearing about Tahoe Tessie as a child. Like it never, it was not a story my grandparents told. It was not a legend that anyone around us ever talked about. It was not anything that I ever heard about. I do remember hearing about it in middle school at some point, I think. And I was obsessed with cryptids and monsters, but it wasn't until much later that I heard about it. So that's part of the reason that I'm like, this is total nonsense, right? Um, (laughs) Because it was just like not a story that got passed around at all. It was just something you finally hear about because like they sell books at a gift store of Tahoe Tessie. So Charles R. Goldman, the founder of the Tahoe Research Group, attributes claim sightings to pareidolia, which is obviously humans seeing things that as faces and shapes and stuff, and the mistaken identification of a large breed of fish that had been introduced into the lake. So I personally believe the Tahoe Tessie is just cynical tourist bait. Because you're scully. And there is a lot of Tahoe Tessie merch everywhere. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Make your living. Like, whatever. I don't have a problem with it. But I definitely don't think that that's a real thing. They do have some cute plushies. But I don't go to Tahoe and search for the lake monster because I don't think it's there. Hmm. So that's my personal lake monster story. Yeah. I did a little check. I had not heard of Tahoe Tessie before. So I was doing a little, a little research and I found out that in 2011, I didn't find really find anything about Tahoe Tessie, honestly. Mm, but yeah, there's not I, much. Yeah. I did find out that in 2011 in Lake Tahoe, they found the body of a man who had drowned in the lake 17 years before. And the body was still in its wetsuit and it was super preserved because the water mm. there is like super cold. Yeah. And because it's high elevation there. And so decomposition is very slow. And like that spawned a bunch of rumors. And I guess the most famous rumor involves Jacques Cousteau, because apparently years before Jacques Cousteau had went scuba diving in Lake Tahoe. And when he emerged from the water, he was all shaken, but not with cold. He said, the world is not ready for what I have seen. And so I was like, oh, my God, what did Jacques Cousteau see? You know, maybe the bodies of unlucky gamblers, which crossed the mafia in the 1950s. or Maybe it was Tahoe Tessie, the Loch Ness Monster. But then found out that like Cousteau never visited Lake Tahoe ever like in his entire life. So it's probably just a big old myth, but it's no less chilling because Mm -hmm. the physical conditions of the lake are such that bodies could still be drifting beneath the surface. And I basically plagiarized that whole thing from a story called the rumors and truth in Lake Tahoe from KQED. And I'll put a link for that. So, And Lake Tahoe is full of bodies, which you don't want to think about when you're like hanging out on your, inflatable floating device chilling on the lake but yeah especially in, like in the deeper parts of the lake and because it is cold yeah they're super well preserved because it's an icy lake lake tahoe is six thousand five hundred miles up in elevation and you know obviously it snows there because you can ski there so yeah. yeah full of bodies grew up in that lake so there's not a monster that i know of but speaking of dead bodies in lakes my family used to go to Shaver Lake a lot because it's mm-hmm. nearby to where I grew up in California. And it's another one of the things that added to my fear of water, basically. I'm like, I'm not, I don't mess with water <laughs> at all. Sorry. Because after playing in the lake, my dad thought it would be super funny to ask me if I felt any of the dead people from the town under the lake trying to grab my feet and pull them down to go live with them Ooh. under the lake. Because apparently Lake Tahoe, there is like actually like a town underneath it. Yeah. Well, because it was so... so I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I thought that was super funny. And then movies like Alligator and Jaws, along with just general fact that like you can't breathe in the water, you can't really see in the water, and you can't really move great in the water. So like, why the fuck are you in the water? Like, stay out of the water. So I'm not. I don't mess with water. So yeah. 
But yeah, my dad thought that was hilarious. Oh man. Yeah, that's so me. much childhood trauma. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know about <laughs> the bodies in like when I was a kid, but like I did as a teenager, and we still swim. Whatever, who cares, right? There's dead people everywhere. I mean, obviously, dead dead people at the bottom of a lake, miles and miles out, aren't going to keep you from whatever. But yeah, it's not fun to think about when you're having a beach barbecue. Yeah, and speaking of alligators, since this episode does feature an alligator, the scene in Alligator that really, really traumatized me as a kid is that there's a scene where like a bunch of kids are having like a like a party, like an overnight sleepover kind of party, and they take the younger kid out and are playing like pirate with him and making him walk the plank on the diving board. And they've got like a blindfold over him. And they're like, we're going to make you walk the plank. Ha, ha, ha. And they're going to push the kid into the water. But then the kid is like peeking out from under the blindfold. And there's a giant freaking alligator in the pool, like underneath oh. waiting for him to get pushed in. And Yikes. then I think he does get pushed in. And then he's dead, obviously. Oh, so like that just, oh man, that just messed me up. That and of course being told <laughs> there were like dead people trying to grab me while I was in the lake. Yeah, and, that's like, scary. I wouldn't have loved that as a kid. Uh, yeah. So, yay. Yay, trauma. Awesome. <laughs> Speaking of trauma. Yeah, Queequeg. Uh, so, I mentioned in the Clyde Bruckman episode that I read an interview with Darren Morgan that happened in 2018 where he looked back on his time at the show and that episode in particular. I mentioned there was a spoiler in that article. The spoiler in the article was that Queequeg died. Yeah, like the person interviewing just like brings it up in the middle of nothing. Yeah, so, so it just yeah. comes at you. That's why it's like a big spoiler because yeah. you can't even avoid it. And Darren Morgan said that he and the other writers do regret killing off the dog. He said they were dumb kids and, you know, they just that was an easy solution to their issue of yeah. dealing with the dog. Yeah, apparently like they didn't want to keep writing the dog into episodes. And they knew that if they just kind of like did that thing that TV does a lot where you just forget that people exist or, you know, animals or whatever, that mm-hmm. fans would be like, hey. And so they just yeah decided to kill him off. I mean, I mean, they could have had Scully even mentioned her mom in this episode. Like they could have had Scully give the dog to her mother just because like I'm an FBI agent. I'm always running off. I can't yeah. have a dog. Mom, take the dog. Like you need someone like dad's gone. Right. Take the dog. Like you don't have to whatever. Yeah, that would have been better. I'm also super highly suspicious about the fact that they kill the dog in an episode that is written by a female writer. This is only the second female writer we have on the X-Files. It's only the fourth episode written by a female writer. And I seriously doubt that this writer came in hot with the script. It was like, we're going to kill Queequeg. Like, they obviously put that in the script. Oh, yeah. No, I don't know. Kim Newton did not write that in. She might have written Queequeg. And I wonder if this is why she only does two episodes, because this is her list. She wrote Revelations and she wrote Quagmire. This is the last one. And like, was she just like not happy about the way the script editing work went maybe it wasn't you know but i'm just super suspicious that's not one of like the main writers this happens on it's like someone we brought in and also happens to be a woman Um, i could well i don't know if it's that she's a woman and that's giving them some benefit of the doubt but the fact that it's not a main writer might have helped because they didn't want to get that kind of flack right for killing Mm. a dog and also but to be fair like the word the way darren morgan talks about it it sounds like they didn't really think about how it would be a big deal. They just wanted to get rid of having to deal with the dog. And so they didn't really think about it. And then when it happened, people were upset and they're like, oh, oh, that's not good. Maybe we shouldn't have done that. Have they never um, watched any television or movies or heard about people? I, with yeah, I don't know. I do think it was a, probably their best opportunity because there is like a monster eating things. and it's. A but good they also chance, could have like, taken care of it totally off screen by having like 
a bit of dialogue where Scully like mentions how she just had to go take Quee Quee and all this stuff to her mom because. But yeah, I think really having her, her give the thing. dog away or to her mom that could act that could have actually happened in this episode. Yeah. Like, oh, they could have you know, done it better. Yeah. So, yeah. Whatever, it's too bad. I mean, I really like. I don't. Like I said, I mean, I'm pretty much a cat person now. I have a really hard time picturing having a dog, but I don't know. That dog was really cute. I would love a dog. It's just so cute. It's little. It's cute. I don't know. Yeah. Although, there is a thing apparently where people assign gender to animals that is usually like erroneous. Like I, I think the general thing is that dogs are, are he's and cats are always she's mm-hmm. like, I have lots of people. My, my mother-in-law sometimes still calls Frankie a she. Um, it's just one of those things that gets ingrained in people where cats are she's and dogs are he's. But I also, I do the same thing because Queequeg, who I'm assuming I'm, we're assuming we don't know. I'm assuming that it's a he because based on the name, but Queequeg is a type of dog that I automatically assume would be a female dog because it's, oh, that see, is, I wouldn't. It's, super, it's super cute looking. And so I'm like, it's a girl. So yeah, there's a great line in community where someone's like, Troy thinks all cats are girls and all dogs are boys. And Troy's like, have you ever seen a cat penis? <laughs> Which I mean, I, mean, no, I have, yeah. unfortunately. Oh. Ooh, okay. um, I don't want to know that story. Well, just because my cat gets like, he's never had urinary blockage. He does occasionally get urinary crystals. So he's on prescription food to prevent that. But before we knew what was going on, he would like put his peen out and lick it because it was oh. he was trying to he couldn't pee very well and it was uncomfortable. Hurt, for him. So. so that was kind of the warning sign. So I, I have seen oh. my cat's penis. I don't know why I'm talking about that on a podcast. I apologize. <laughs> How did this come up? We were talking about Queequeg. Anyway, and I'm sad that Queequeg is dead. Cat penises. All yeah. Right. Well, it's, it's, I blame Troy Barnes. So anyway, <laughs> we don't know that even it's so it's the, character the person on community. community. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Played by Donald Glover. I mean, I get them not wanting to have to write the dog all the time. Cause I get that that would kind of be a pain in the ass. Plus like, you know, the wrangling the dog and having to have, you know, I mean, I get that that's a pain, but still it sucks. Queequeg was cute yeah. and I'm sad. Queequeg is dead. Yeah. They just, there, uh, there were different ways to handle it. And they, there were, decided, Oh, for sure. They decided and again, it sounds one. like Darren Morgan kind of regrets it. And I think, you know, wouldn't do it again. And the other X Files writers, mean, and we wouldn't have had to have had like Jillian Anderson trying to make whatever face she made. If, oh, I think she like, did fine. So. <laughs> Although I'm gonna have to go back and watch that scene and see what you're seeing. I do. Face. The more I think about it, I think it's maybe not so much the face; it's the fact that they just held. Like she had. Not only did they hold it so long, she had to hold it so long that it just looks like, "What are you doing?" Yeah. Like, and so, in a way, that's actually a directorial thing. So that's kind of on Kim Manners because. That's the choice he made. So mm-hmm. anyway, ratings, 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 yeah. ratings. It's all about the ratings here at I Want to Rewatch an X Files podcast. Actually, it's not, but we do them anyway. We do so, do them. Yeah. So despite Queequeg dying, I do actually like this episode a lot. But I'm really into cryptids. I really love the idea of lake monsters. I don't believe in them, but like Mulder, I want to believe in them. You will shoehorn that in every chance you get. I do. I will because I do. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think it's a really fun story. I like all the townspeople. I like the side characters. I love the idea of this guy who has lived at this lake his entire life. And his goal is to get a photo of this monster so he can live off the royalties of this monster, which I think is funny. And I like Ted and I like him trying to drum up business for souvenirs by like putting out fake footprints of a lake monster. I don't know. I think it's fun. It does have a very Scooby-Doo or Jaws kind of vibe, which I think is fun. It definitely was like other than Queequeg dying, which made me very sad. 
I think this episode is really entertaining. It was really fun. And I'm going to give it an eight. An eight. Whoa, yeah, I really like you it. with your eights. Okay. I like, I like wow. some lake monster action. All right. Well, I am. Hmm. What am I doing? I think I'm going to go with. I also, it wasn't a. I mean, there is some stuff that I'm like, this doesn't make sense. And a lot of it, the stuff that doesn't make sense is because they wanted to do. Like the whole like Mulder and Skull on the Rock thing. I realize if the if the boat wrecks and it's supposedly by the monster or something that wrecks the boat, you can't have them in the water because then how do you explain your two leads getting out of the water successfully without being attacked, right? There's right. gotta figure something else out, which maybe you just don't have the boat wreck and you gotta not write yourself into a hole. But that kind of thing, like the rock and then the boat it's like they're right up by the shore. And like, yeah, their lanterns weren't great, but dude, the dude was holding a hell and hell flashlight. You could have seen the shore. There was also well, he like, did, he light, did wait out. It was a little way. It wasn't like directly attached to the shore, right? There and then also his... like they were but... on the radar with the boat. Like, did the boat radar not work properly? Because it should have let you know, like, hey, you're about to like crash into the shore. Yeah. So either that. the rock moved because it was big blue, or there's just weirdness anyway. But anyway, mm-hmm. aside from all that kind of business, it was kind of a fun episode. It was the kind of fun episode I like when I'm not having jokes thrown at me constantly. Uh-huh. It was just, it was written and it had humor in it. And it was like, you know, like the whole, and, and not even like, oh, well, I guess that part is still written. I'm assuming it was in the script, but like the whole like sign in the beginning and just like the little like, oh, my, and then like, oh my God, are you serious? Kind of I stuff. know. Yeah. Like was it was all, just lots of little things that are like that add up to being entertaining. So I'm going to give it a seven. Nice. So yes. So not as high as you, because I do have a couple of issues. That's fair. But, there are a couple of issues for sure, but yeah. Sometimes there are issues I can I can I can overlook, and then like the whole like last like last episode with like the whole like well, why are we doing succubus here? Like what's going on? <laughs> and with the whole rain thing, right? And it's like you why? But then it's like okay, well that's fine. But then this one actually some of the things that I'm having trouble with do really affect like what's going on in the episode mm-hmm. and like with you know where was the boat and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. So yeah, seven. That's so, fair. It's still, yeah. it's still pretty good. I mean, honestly, it is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Well, that was quagmire. It wasn't such a quagmire for us, at least. <laughs> so. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're done. All right. Well, R.I.P. Quag, and I hope you guys all have a good. Day. And Ted. And Ted. Yeah. That's. I mean, Ted's too. not the only person who died, but you know, he's the only one that I get to do Bill and Ted jokes with. So. <laughs> Anyway. All right. See you next time. Bye. I want to rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded at Black Cat Studios. Hashtag really just a veteran closet. That's right. We made this. And be sure to join us next time as we rewatch X Files season three, episode 23, Wet Wired. And try to figure out if the, the truth, truth is, is still, still out there. there.
in the episode, Mulder is drawn to Hellevin. Don't ask Lake? me. Don't ask me. It's Hevelman's Lake. I think it's Hevelman's, but I just, I, yeah. In this episode, Mulder is drawn to Hevelman's Lake after a couple. D- I should probably read it before I. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not sure where to find where that is said. I know Mulder says it a couple times, but I'm not sure exactly where. So we'll just go. I'm pretty with sure it's Hevelman's. Yeah. We'll, we'll go with that because I don't know where to find it and it would take forever. So. Lake Monster, he drinks, going along to investigate. Why can't they just name shit things? normal? Jesus, come on. I know, come on. Maybe just Tree Lake or something. Especially because this is apparently like in the southern part of the eastern United States based on Ted's accent and alligators or crocodiles or whatever it's supposed to be. I think it's actually an alligator based on appearance, but I think he does say alligator as well. But Yeah. Billy, no whining, honey. Mommy's reporting. Yeah. Mommy's recording so we can get those sweet, sweet Patreon dollars. Mm-hmm. Although this is not for the Patreon. Just why I need to make sure I get the vampire edited so it can go out tomorrow because I haven't finished it yet. Oh, shit. It's fine. Yeah, and the other vampire thing's supposed to go out on Wednesday. I know. I need to do that. Well, that's next because that's Wednesday. And then, I, yeah, have, that's after, and then yeah. I have and then also have the Kolchak episode that goes out on Wednesday. Oh, then I have a Jay and Lazian episode that's supposed to go out on Wednesday that we're recording later. Um. <laughs> that's gonna be the, well. That one's gonna be just a short, like, "Hey, we're done. We're out. Later, bye." So yeah, it's all. I was gonna. Re- I was. Gonna, I was just gonna record it myself. Then I contacted him and asked him if he wanted to chop it. So we're gonna have like a little chat, but then also do a little like, "We're done." Yeah. Hopefully so. that'll be fun. I don't know. Yeah, it's fine. It just we're we're not into it anymore. It's not. It's not what we want it to be anymore. It's not fun to do because we're constantly not only just talking but we're also talking trying to think about like what's going to be in the podcast and it just it yeah yeah it's work and so we're not doing it because it's work yeah if it's not what you want to be doing then there's no point to keep doing it like mm-hmm. all right in the episode Mulder is drawn to Hevelman's Lake after a couple of disappearances due to the oh my god I put this dress on the wrong word <laughs> In the episode, Mulder is drawn to Hevelman's Lake after a couple of disappearances due to the... Oh, my God. I still said it funny. Maybe, um, yeah, maybe you need to add more to that or less to that or... Or link to, maybe? After, maybe after... That after are some di- After some disappearances are linked to legend. Yeah. Yeah. Billy, honey, do you have to play with the crinkly mat right now? <laughs> well, you bought it for me, Mom, so I'm going to play with it now. You have to play with the crinkly mat now, babe? Can you maybe play with a different toy? Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, I vacuumed yesterday, so I picked up all the toys. And then I dumped them in a pile, and I was like, "Toy pile." Anyway, well, yeah, and they're all new. Uh, I don't, I didn't have these toys before. These are all new. Yeah, they were all Christmas. on one side of the room. Now they're mom <laughs> celebrates Orthodox Christmas. Hooray! It's Christmas. They did get a new scratcher thing because Locke ruined the old one oh. when he was sick, and so they got an ice cream truck. Oh, so they are, are these little Target cream. house things that you get? Yeah, them exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's very big and it was hard to put together. Oh. <laughs> it's okay. Anyway, it's fine. It just came yesterday, so they've been very excited. Oh. 
All right, I'm going to get through the summary so we can get through this episode before it's yeah, nine Frankie o'clock. and Frankie and Sam are just happy they have their uh, their new cat city, the underground of the tower. That's just me throwing random bits of packing paper down there, and they just rummage <laughs> through the garbage like little garbage cats and just have. No, I can't because Locke will eat it. Yeah, he'll eat paper. He'll try. Oh uh, yeah, no, they have. They love their little periodically. It gets it gets raised. We raise the homeless village under New Cat City, and then they rebuild. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, every time we get packing paper, Locke will play with it for like three minutes and then start to try and eat it. And I have to take it away. I'm like, nope, you can't have yeah, that. Yeah, no, they build little nests in there and burrow in when it gets really full and just hang out in there in little caves. And, <laughs> yeah. That's cute. Anyway, sorry. No, it's totally fine. I'm the one who started with yeah. the tangent. So <laughs> yeah. we're good. 